Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bite of Life podcast. I'm Kenny. I'm Winston. I、uh, just want to wish everyone a happy New Year. Yes, happy New Year, happy 2021.、Uh, for this episode, we have a special guest joining us. She is a good friend of ours, Vernice. Hello, I'm Vernice. Hello, Vernice.、Uh, Vernice has been a longtime friend of ours, and we are very excited to have her join us today. Today we're going to be talking about cultural identity and what our experience was like growing up as an Asian American. So the first thing I wanted to ask you guys was: Have you guys ever felt like you had something kind of like an identity crisis in terms of like how you identify yourself? Am I more Asian or am I more American? Yeah. So I think for me, there was definitely a point in time where I didn't really know if I were like. Asian or American? I think when we were younger, I felt more American, and what what I mean by that is like I just felt that I valued American culture more than Asian culture. Like I spoke more English to my family, and I also ate like for example, also liked American food more than Asian food when I was younger. I think I also did also did things that I guess were more American in a way. For example, like sports.、Uh, Played a lot of sports like basketball, even tried to try out baseball back then, which is like, oh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and I think I felt this way back then because I was mostly say because of the people I hung out with in like elementary school. A lot of my friends I hung out with, or my close friends during that time, they did a lot of these sports.、Um, And also one of my really best, one of my really close friends back then. He's white,、um, so I think because of that, it's kind、I've、of like、that. the people that you're around, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. How about you,、uh, Bernice? Um, I feel like I identified more as Asian just because my parents barely knew any English when they immigrated here, so Chinese was primarily what I spoke. And I, all I watched were Hong Kong dramas. Shout out to TVB. Hey, hey shout out TVB. <laughs>、um, and I didn't watch any of those typical cartoon movies that people watched when we were younger, like I don't know, SpongeBob or what are the other ones? I don't even know. Hey Arnold or something. Really? Yeah, I never watched any of those. Yeah, I was like super Asian. I even had an Asian accent. <laughs> Oh, really? And then I grew out of it. Yeah, like when、that. I met Emily is when I grew out of it. <laughs> She made me more American. <laughs> oh, interesting. I was super Asian when I was younger. Yeah, I was super Asian. I think for me, it was actually like a good mix. I mean, for the first couple years of my life, <laughs> I grew up only speaking Chinese. But I think once I went to preschool and like started interacting with other kids, then. I really started to kind of adopt like American culture, right? I mean, obviously we're all born here and we grew up here, but first and foremost, we were raised by like our Asian parents who are immigrants. So I think that's definitely like our first cultural experience. And then as we're growing up and meeting new people. Like what you said, Kenny. Like in elementary school, when we started making all these different friends. Then that's really when that like dual identity started coming in, right? I think my first experience where I felt like 
I was leaning toward, I was kind of adopting American culture more was in preschool when I was like eating the school lunches, like the cafeteria ladies used to like make the lunch and I will never forget this because this memory has been like embedded in me for like ever, but baked beans over rice, yo, (laughs) so good. (laughs) Baked beans over rice. Yeah, like never tried that before. (laughs) If you guys have had like the baked beans from like American barbecue, it's like a little sweet. It's like that. And then it's like over a bed of like white rice. Oh, so good. Yeah, actually it actually does sound really good. Anyways, um yeah, so I think for me it was like a good mix. I don't really feel like I ever leaned too much into either extremes. But if I were to have a bias, I'd I'd say maybe I identify more as Asian, but kind of going along with that, like in terms of your values, do you feel like you have more, are your values more from like your Asian side or or more based on growing up as like an American? I think for me, it's a good mix of both, you know, growing up with Asian immigrant parents, you know, they kind of embed their values to you. Um, or try to make you think the same way that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I think the main difference is like, I think for Asian values, we value family and taking care, or just trying to take care of your family as much as possible. You know, think family first, whereas I think like American values, is like kind of think of yourself, you know, try to do what's best for you, your individual self. So I think... There is a good mix where there are some times where I would think of like my family first, but there are also cases where I would, I guess, be more American and, you know. I, well, I think for that, I, I kind of disagree with you on that. I don't feel like Americans are, or I don't think like American values is like cares about the individual. There's definitely like a family aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is like valuing independence more, right? Yeah. As yeah. opposed to like always doing things with your family or taking into like their opinions into consideration when you do actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what I was trying to go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I kind of agree with you. More of my values is probably Asian based off of like how I grew up, uh, who I was raised by growing up both my parents and kind of being raised by my grandparents when I was young, a lot of the values that, or a lot of their values was kind of embedded into me, like like respecting your elders, things like that. I feel like in American culture, it's not as highlighted as much as it is in Asian culture. Mm-hmm. Like respecting your elders, um, I guess a lot of things to do with, is it emotional intelligence where it's like, Put yourself into other people's shoes, your actions, take notice of your actions, right? Really learning about empathy. I feel mm-hmm. like I was taught that a lot growing up. And then sharing with friends, kind of not having too much of an individualist mindset, yeah. more of like bigger picture, um, thinking about how other people feel about your actions, things like that. So... I think for me, it kind of made me a lot more selfless. Like, I'm willing to help people, especially friends. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> if you if you if you're curious about something or if you need my help with something, all you have to do is ask, right? But yeah, I think that's pretty much how I feel. Um, in terms of like American values, as I grow older, I do see myself trying to find my own like individualist identity, kind of taking ownership of my actions and. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm making mistakes, it's like I made that choice, so then I need to learn from my mistakes, things like that. But yeah, so Vernice, how do you feel about in terms of like growing up and your values, things like that? Do you feel like it's more influence from your Asian culture or like American culture? I feel the same way as you guys. Like growing up, definitely more Asian influence, just because that's who I was surrounded by the most. Um, and then I think maybe once I got to college is when I started being or thinking more about individuality just because I was starting to be less surrounded by just Asians and primarily being grown up in the Bay area, primarily just surrounded by Asians and then just learning more about other people's cultures mm-hmm. has made me like give me some sort of realization that, you know, I can be more independent and get out of that Asian value, but still keeping that, yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, kind of, like, like meeting different people and learning about, like, other people's cultures give you more, more insight into, like, how other people think and, yeah. like, their, their values as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Since it's not just, like, the typical Asian or specifically Chinese, um, mm-hmm. got to learn more from different ethnicities in the area right yeah. right yeah I definitely feel that too like that that's a really good point like going to college like meeting all these different people learning about their cultures I actually found that I connected with a lot of different people where growing up I didn't have as much like exposure to their cultures but having talked to them and kind of talking about like Kind of having like a culture exchange with your friends, right? Mm-hmm. Who who are from mm-hmm. different cultures. You actually learn that a lot of things are pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys are communicating with like friends or family, do you ever feel like there's a language barrier? Oh yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a big language barrier with my family so I grew up speaking Cantonese Uh, that's the language my my mom and dad taught me as I was growing up Mm -hmm. but I think the biggest my Cantonese is not that good right now and I think it's because as 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 I was growing up my dad spoke less and less Cantonese to me so my dad actually went to college and or went to school here in the States. So his English is like very fluent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just growing up, he just started speaking a lot of English to me. And mm-hmm. because of that, I spoke less and less Cantonese like year after year. And I think, and then my Cantonese now is like very broken. So when I talk to my family members, like my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, there's definitely a big barrier, a language barrier. Um, like sometimes when my aunt, grandma asks me something, I'm kind of just like, Dad, how do I respond to this? <laughs> um, yeah, like I know how to 
I know what they're saying, but I don't know how to respond back to them. Um, but in terms of friends, I think most of all my friends, they they know English pretty well, so we just speak English to each other. But I do have some friends that do speak like Cantonese or Mandarin to the um, to each other, and when I'm with them and they do that, there's a big language barrier there because I'm like, okay, what are you guys saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? Um, <laughs> for me, um, I feel like there wasn't too big of a language barrier since Chinese was what I mainly spoke when I was younger, and then so I was able to speak conversationally fluent with my family members. It wouldn't be like as good where I could do business in it, but able to fully speak it without using too much English. But as I grew older and started meeting less Chinese people, because previously I would speak to them in Chinese, mm-hmm. uh, like once in a while, like we would have conversations in Chinese. But then as I grew out of meeting less Chinese people, it started getting forgotten since I was using it less, especially in college. So now there's like a bigger language barrier, but still not that bad. And with friends, I just speak English to them mainly, so it's not too bad. And I am able to understand them if they do use Cantonese. But if it's Mandarin, I have absolutely no idea what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, for for me, it's it's a little bit different. Like I grew up, or when I was growing up. Kind of getting raised by my parents and my grandparents. It was like a lot of Cantonese, or not Cantonese. We were speaking like our home dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had to learn Cantonese. I, I was learning my home dialect and Cantonese kind of like at the same time, oh. right? So I would say I learned more Cantonese from watching TVB with my grandma. And then mm-hmm. like my cousins, uh, my cousins other grandma like she spoke Cantonese so then whenever she would come over I would kind of practice Cantonese with his side of the family and also like my uncle they spoke Cantonese so I kind of had like that dual dialect learning when I was growing up so from that I don't really feel like it caused any language barriers because I was able to I would say my proficiency in both of them are pretty much the same so like my home dialect is Taishanese, and then mm-hmm. I learned Cantonese alongside that. And then um, I actually went to Chinese school too, where originally I went to Chinese school to learn Cantonese, but then my Chinese school stopped teaching Cantonese. So they switched everyone to learning Mandarin. But anyways, so I learned Mandarin in Chinese school for like, uh, maybe like six years. And then I stopped going, but then when I went into high school, I took Chinese as my, like, second language again. Mm-hmm. And then we were, it was, like, also Mandarin, so I would say my Mandarin is all right. It's, it's like, what Renisa is, like, conversational. I, can't, I wouldn't say I could do business with it, but if you speak it to me, or if someone is speaking it to me, for the most part, I, like, understand. For Cantonese and, like, my home dialect, I'm pretty comfortable with it. I haven't used it in, like, a professional setting, but probably if I had to, I could probably figure it out. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so in terms of, like, language barriers, I don't feel like with my family there was any. Um, actually, growing up, since Chinese was, like, my first language, I think 
when I was learning English, I struggled a little bit, kind of like communicating with my friends. But since we're young, like we grow out of that pretty quickly and who you're surrounded by. So yeah, I don't really feel like, I guess with friends, there weren't really much language barriers either. (laughs) But what I did notice is since English is my quote unquote second language, my English not that good either. Like, it's okay. Mine isn't. I think English was my worst or my least favorite class in school. Oh, same. My, my grammar's terrible. I'm so. I'm oh like. Ter- I'm like terrible at writing essays. Yeah, that's actually surprising, though, Winston, that you took like a Cantonese or you went to Chinese school to learn Cantonese. Mm-hmm. I think you're actually the first person I know that went to Chinese school to learn Cantonese because I do have a lot really? of friends that went to Chinese school but we all or they all learned Mandarin I learned yeah. Cantonese at my Chinese school oh interesting mm-hmm. and then I quit three years later <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so for me like the first three years of Chinese school was in Cantonese because they have that option but then after the third year like the school just took out Cantonese and then they started teaching Mandarin. And a lot of people were mad about that, right? Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably like kind of like, it's like a majority of the people like where we grew up, they speak Cantonese and that's kind of part of our identity. But mm-hmm. the fact that they took it out of my Chinese school, some people were not happy about that. But at the same time, like Mandarin is more widely used now since. Yeah. Like most people in China speak Mandarin and that's the language that's taught or that's the dialect that's taught. So it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think it was good because I was able to, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really learn much in Chinese school. It's more like just being there, kind of immersing myself in the language and just listening to it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm comfortable with like hearing it and listening to it and kind of understanding what people are saying to me but in terms of like, Reading and writing, I would say, probably like elementary level. <laughs> yeah, that same. <laughs> yeah. So kind of going off, you know, talking about language with friends and family. Uh, would you guys say that right now your group of friends or the people you mostly hang out with are like predominantly Asian, or would you say there's like a good mix of different races? Um, I think for me, kind of like who I'm around currently, like my current. Most of my current friend groups are predominantly Asian. I'd say just because of like where we grew up and mm-hmm. I would say most of my non-Asian friends I made in college. So I do have like non-Asian friends, right? But I think this is more of a matter of like who you're around, right? And like when we're little kids, we have like all different kinds of friends. But as we grow older, it's just, or this is my theory on it. I feel like we kind of, move towards more people who are similar to us and have like similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not opposed to having friends of like different cultures by any means, but it's just a matter of like who you can connect with and things like that. Right. And I think in college, like making friends of like different cultures, it's really taught me that like a lot of cultures are pretty similar, right? And a lot of similar values and yeah, like, I'm not opposed to it. It's just a matter of like who I'm around and who I'm exposed to. How about for you, Vernice? 
Um, I'd say my friend group is predominantly Asian just because of the area we grew up in. And when I was younger, it was mainly just Chinese people. But as I grew older, it still stayed predominantly Asian, but different ethnicities of Asians. And um, in college is when I started having more variety of people, but still predominantly Asian. And like what you said, Winston, mainly who I was able to connect with, because I'm not against being friends with like anyone. It's just coincidentally, I'm more friends with Asians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it's the same as both of you. Uh, I would say in elementary school, that was when I think it was like a good mix of races like i mentioned before one of my really close friends back then he was white and then i think in middle school or i think my friend groups are becoming more predominantly asian in middle school because a lot of my non-asian friends from elementary school went to a different middle school than i went to and most of my asian friends went to the same middle school and i would say that my middle school was i had a good amount of asians there and um like you guys said, I think it's just who I was able to connect with more. And the friend group that I had in middle school also went to the same high school as me. So I kind of just hung out with the same group of people for like seven years straight. And even now, I still hang out with them. Um, in college, I felt that I didn't really go out of my way to meet new people. I still hung out with the same people that I like knew. So I think mm-hmm. that's why like I didn't really get a lot of, I guess exposure to other or meeting other people that were like not asian so yeah, i still have some i still have friends that are you know non-asian but i don't they're not like part of my i guess close friend group like if i see them on the streets i would talk to them yeah that makes that makes sense making friends is hard in college so i don't blame you at all <laughs> So I guess speaking about, you know, different races and, you know, friend group, would you guys say that, or I guess growing up as an Asian American, um, have you guys faced any like harassment or racism? Um, so for me personally, I wouldn't say I felt any harassment or racism growing up. Again, just because of the area we grew up in and... <laughs> Like, who were around. I would say the most harassment or racism I felt was probably, like, this one time in middle school where this kid in my class was, like, making fun of me about how I'm good at math and whatever. But, I mean, that's just... I mean, that's, like, a stereotype, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say I've had many of those experiences. What about you, Kenny? Um, yeah, same. I can't really think of any or time or moment where I actually felt any harassment or racism. And I think it's because of, like you said, the area we grew up in. There's like, I would say that the area we grew up in is like a big melting pot of different um, races and cultures. And I think for the most part, we all kind of learn to, you know, respect other people's culture and, and their race because of how diverse it is. And I just think also, I think for the most part, like the schools that I went to, there were a lot of Asians and kind of going back to like, you know, just who you 
you know, who you hang around with. I mostly just hung out with Asians, so I never really went out of my way to, like, you know, meet new people. So I think because of that, I didn't really face any harassment or racism, you know. You know, your friend group or my friend group, even though we're Asian, we do kind of make, like, jokes <laughs> about our race, even though we're, like, Asian. But I wouldn't really call it harassment or racism at all. It's just, like, it's like banter. <laughs> okay. How about you? Uh, I'm the same exact way. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. I wouldn't say I faced any harassment or racism just because primarily hung out with Asians. So, yeah, I never have that. I guess it's a little bit different for, like, us because of where we grew up compared to other Asian Americans in, like, other parts of the country where there aren't as many Asian people there, right? So, usually when people are unfamiliar with certain things like your culture and things like that, they point out that you're different. Whereas, like what you said earlier, how we grew up in kind of like a cultural melting pot, mm-hmm. then we didn't experience it as much. But like the way that I see it is if you imagine like yourself living in maybe more like suburbia or like rural America, where there's probably not as many Asians, then you kind of stick out, right? So yeah. from that point of view, I see like why there's like more harassment and more like racism Mm -hmm. and again it's just i just feel like if people take the time to learn more about different cultures then there would be less of this type of like harassment or racism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's more like when people are, are like not educated or unaware of certain things then they make assumptions Mm -hmm. and then that's where like all these like harassments and racisms and these attacks come from yeah so i mean since we haven't had much experience of harassment or racism do you guys feel like you have any insecurities kind of around being like an asian american i think for me i don't know if this is an insecurity but it's something that i think about pretty often so in the workforce like corporate america things like that just because of how Asian people are raised and like our values. I feel like when it comes to leadership positions, there aren't as many Asian people in those positions just because, at least for me, you're taught to be humble. And that's like, it's a good thing. But at the same time, sometimes if you're trying to like move up that corporate ladder, it's not as good because you kind of, it's hard for you to really accept your achievements. And that's something that I've struggled with. Like, taking praise taking praise like when well like for example my boss the other day he's like oh you did a great job on this blah 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 and i'm just like i didn't know how to respond i'm like okay okay thank you because <laughs> like i don't know at least for me it's just been ingrained so deeply it's like in me that it's like you gotta be humble you gotta like even if you're good at something you don't want to like show off so when it comes to like accepting compliments and different things like that, I feel like I don't know if it's insecurity, but I definitely struggle with that. So kind of going back to like how that plays in the workforce when it comes to kind of taking credit for your work and taking ownership of things, I think like again, as an Asian American compared to like other ethnicities or races, I feel like 
we can work to do better in that aspect mm -hmm. kind of like like i want to see more diversity in these leadership positions mm -hmm. like it's definitely like starting to grow more diverse mm -hmm. but yep. i would say a good majority of the time it's still like predominantly like caucasian people who are in these like high level positions right? not not that they don't deserve to be there but i'm just saying like i feel like it would be nice to see more ch more more variety more change yeah yeah i think for me definitely feel the same way that you do you know because i think growing up my parents never really said like oh you did really good or oh like your work is good i'm proud of they always like okay you did good but you can do better <laughs> oh, oh that one hurt what yeah. is praise <laughs> yeah what is praise <laughs> Yeah, so whenever I hear someone, like, praising me or complimenting me, I'm like, thank you, but, you know, I feel that I can always do better. Because <laughs> um, I think that's just how my parents, you know, embedded it into me. But, you know, going back to, like, at least at my company, I think there, in terms of, like, diversity, uh, I think there are definitely a lot more or more action taken to try and, get more diversity on like their leadership board and i think you know a few years ago there is an asian that is on like my department's leadership so it's good to see that you know we're starting to um make we're starting to climb up the ladder i think for me it's a little different just like for my work experience um in that aspect because i worked in a startup and it was like an asian or asian based China-based company, so there were a lot of uh, Chinese people or Asians that were in leadership positions, even in America. We would work with um, other companies, and they would be of different ethnicities, so I guess I didn't see that part where it was primarily Caucasian, but I could see where you guys are coming from. But just for my personal insecurity, I would mainly just say, like, there's a stereotype where Asians are smaller. <laughs> um, and I guess that would just be my insecurity since I am a smaller person <laughs> compared to like an average uh, person. So I think that would just be my main insecurity. Otherwise, nothing else really. Yeah, I mean, I think oh, that's a good point. I mean, I wasn't speaking specifically to like my company, but I was just saying, like, corporate America in general. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, seeing, seeing more representation definitely helps. What do you guys feel like you're most proud of for being, like, Asian or Asian American? Food. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of... I'm proud of, um, you know, the Asian food and cuisine because I feel that it has spread out globally. And I feel that generally many people or a lot of people that are not Asian really like Asian food and cuisine. Like, for example, hot pot, Korean barbecue, boba. I feel that boba is a really big thing. <laughs> yeah. I think another thing is also kind of global impact that you know some people that are asian had and or i would say glowing but like just how some 
other Asians are making, I guess, putting their foot in the door for things that, like, for example, in like Hollywood, you know, we're now seeing more Asian actors um, being in like Hollywood movies, for example, like the upcoming Marvel movie, Shang-Chi, it has like a, a or the main actor is Asian. In the NBA, you know, we have Jeremy Lin and we have, uh, I think there's another Asian player on the Bulls, I think. Winston, you might know more than me, but I've definitely seen it before. No, off the top of my head. Are you talking about the guy on the Grizzlies, Yuta Watanabe? Oh, yes, that guy, that guy, yes. And even in football, uh, there's a kicker on the Falcons, Young Young Hayaku, who like set an all-time record for the team or for the team history already. So I think it's just, I don't know, it just makes me proud that, you know, more Asians are making their way for things that, you know, were back then typically you wouldn't even see an Asian, like, in that role. Mm, Asian representation. <laughs> uh, I think uh, what I'm most proud of being Asian is, well, this doesn't necessarily relate to me, um, but just knowing the history of Asians when they were immigrating to other countries, um, just listening to their hustle and what they had to do to get to where they wanted to be and what they did for their kids. And it's not just Asians, obviously, it's for anyone who immigrated out of their home country, just listening to their hustle and um, doing what they had to do to get where they wanted to get their parents to be and where they wanted to raise their kids. Because coming from an immigrant family, we started from the bottom of like having to rent a really small, I think it's called in-law, and just seeing my parents be able to buy their first home, uh, maybe like after six years, no, not six years, when I was in sixth grade, and then being able to like be financially stable and be comfortable. So that's pretty much what I'm most proud of, being Asian or just from an immigrant family. Oh, I really like that answer. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> the Silent class for Bernice. I, I also liked the answer that Kenny said, like the the food, because <laughs> to me, I just like Kenny. I really like food. And yeah. <laughs> I've I found that that's probably the best way to have introduced someone to a culture or to bring people together is like through the food. So for me, uh, <laughs> recently, my friends and I have been going out to try different cuisines. Uh, like the other the other week, we went to get takeout food from this Jamaican place, and then the other and then another week we got takeout from this uh, Mediterranean place. Yesterday, I went to get Filipino food, things like that. And it kind of helps um, introduce a culture to you, you know, uh, through their food. And really, I found that that's what helped me connect to a lot of people, like just going out to eat, yeah. like introducing them to like your culture's food. I've been really proud of that. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be like Chinese food, right? Like Asian food in general, like what you said. And then like going back to your other point, representation, definitely agree with you on that. Um, kind of seeing more representation. And I think the the two big 
ones right now is also K-pop and mm-hmm. anime, right? Mm-hmm. I love it when like NBA players or like even like the newer generation rappers they like reference anime. <laughs> it's, it's it's just really funny and it's really cool like to know that. Oh, cool! They watched this too. It's like, and yeah. it's oh, it's relatable, like, you know. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like when you see uh, when you see NBA players Naruto run out of the tunnel. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but there's definitely like a lot of progress in terms of like kind of being more represented in our communities mm-hmm. and I think the future is bright for kind of more diversity in the country. Like it's it's definitely already been trending in that direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean I think... starting from like very little to no representation to where we are now. Yeah. I mean the only way left to go is up, right? You don't yep. want to go backwards. Yeah. I definitely do feel, or I don't see, like, the representation going back down. It's only going to get more and more from here. Overall, I feel like our experiences growing up as Asian Americans, (laughs) obviously, they're pretty similar (laughs) because of, like, where we grew up, but at the same time, there were a couple of differences that we learned today, right? Like in terms of like language barrier and things like that, or like your different friend groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really great hearing about both of your experiences and kind of sharing my experience as well. So this is where we're going to end today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Bernice, for joining us and yes, thank you for joining us as our first uh, guest. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. <laughs> And thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, We look forward to making more episodes and hope you guys continue to come back. Yes. And once again, Happy New Year's. Hopefully 2021 will be a brighter year than 2020. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone.